there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hey folks, welcome to episode 25 of the podcast. So I'm hitting the quarter century, that's another milestone, delighted with that. Uh, I always say I'll keep these intros short, <laughs> kind of hard to do it sometimes because I have a few bits and pieces I'd like to say. One of them is I'm recording this before the Coldplay concert on Saturday night because I know on Sunday I don't think my voice will be up to doing a little bit of an intro. So getting that done early. Another thing, just checking the statistics over the last few days, Ben Pridmore's episode and other episodes that are still being listened to, the reach seems to be kind of spreading to a lot more listeners in the US and um, numbers in San Francisco and, and around California are gone up, which is great. I would love to know how folks in San Francisco or in California have stumbled across the show and how how you're finding it. Uh, anything you'd like to share, reach out, drop me an email or on Twitter and Instagram. It'd be great to hear from you. Upcoming shows, I've just recorded an episode with a Canadian comedian, so that was quite interesting. Looking forward to putting that one out in a few weeks. And uh, had a couple of other ones lined up. Um, I'm actually recording a show next week with um, a lady from California who is a nutritionalist, a fitness expert, um, life coach as well. We're going to talk and go deep on exercise, health, fitness, nutrition, stuff we didn't uh, haven't talked about on the show so far, but definitely areas that I'm massively interested in myself. Um, so if you were interested in putting a question to the guest, you have an opportunity to email me or if you want to uh, send me a tweet or any of those social media type things, let me know and I can put that to, um, to the lady that we're talking uh, next week. So that should be good. So this episode is with uh, a reporter that works on RT 9 o'clock news and she's from Longford. Her name is Sinead Hussey and I was delighted to connect with her about a month ago to talk about her career so far. Again, tying in with the Longford link. Uh, I don't want to get too parochial about it, but um, she is well known around the country. Thought it was a perfect guest for the podcast and a new angle, uh, reporting, working for TV. We talked about Sinead's career, cutting her teeth with Shannon Side FM, working in Northwest Radio in Donegal, working with LMFM in Drogheda, then getting her big break working for News Talk uh, in around 2006. So that was really interesting, the different learnings she took from each of those roles, pushing herself outside of her comfort zone. That's something Sinead talks about all the way through. And that she stresses that, you know, you have to do that to get ahead, to make progress. And it's not always going to be easy. So we talk and dig into that. Again, another theme that keeps cropping up. Uh, RT came calling and Sinead was delighted to take on that opportunity. Something she was always uh, dreaming of, working for RTE as a reporter. She worked with um, the foreign desk first. And as she outlines, it was very much not foreign. It was working in uh, the RTE campus. Uh, she then moved to the home desk and over the last few years uh, moved to more around the nine o'clock news and reporting on that. Huge variety in the role. She's very ambitious. She wants to develop and grow and the area of crime is something that she would like to get more exposure to over the coming years. So that will be interesting to track her progress there. Certainly like all other guests, we talk about uh, ambition, advice, challenges, learnings and as I said already pushing yourself outside your comfort zone was something that uh, came up. 
lots of good interesting snippets and I guess I will leave it there just as always say Sinead thank you for giving up your time I hope uh, you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed it and I hope folks listening enjoy it too so enjoy the show and uh, enjoy your week thank you morning folks or good afternoon or evening whatever time you're listening i am here today with Sinead Hussey from Longford Sinead welcome thank you very much so i've been looking forward to interviewing you for for a while so i, I know you, we agreed to do this a while back been tracking your your journey over the last number of years on the radio and tvs of, of ireland so it'd be great to get a little insight into what a typical day looks like for you right now and then we'll maybe swing it back to the early stages but maybe just talk to me about your current role in RT and what a typical day looks like. Well at the moment I'm what they call a multimedia journalist um, in RT newsrooms so I work across TV, radio uh, and online um, but I'm specifically assigned to the nine o'clock TV news at the moment so my day begins around half 10, 11 o'clock in the office um, and then I'm there until about half nine at night depending okay. on a story. Um, so basically what happens is, I mean, I get up in the morning, I listen to Morning Ireland, you kind of, you know, have a look at the day, mm. have a read of some of the newspapers and you go into the office. The nine o'clock news editor will have been to the morning news conference in RT, which happens around 10 o'clock when all the editors come together from all the different programmes right. and decide what's going to be covered for the day, who's going to cover it and how they're going to cover it. Mm. Um, so when I get in, I have a quick chat with the nine o'clock editor. We look at what's happening and what we try to do is we look at the six o'clock news um, and we see what they're doing and then we try to do something either different or something more expansive or something that they're not doing. Okay. So it can be kind of tricky from that point of view. I worked on the six o'clock news for a couple of years and that's more fast paced. It's more reacting to news that happens immediately where the nine o'clock news is kind of taking a step back okay. and looking at what's happened during the day and deciding, is this the big story and should we be doing another report on it or should we be expanding on it and that kind of thing. You also fall into the uh, the trap as well at seven o'clock in the evening if you've been assigned nothing and something breaks, you just have to jump into your car and go and try and get something on air for nine o'clock. So okay. it's 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 different but exciting. Pretty much every so there's a set type of structure, but it can be very flexible during yeah, the day. Yeah, there's so. a set type of structure, and if it's if it's a case that I'm out in a story and you know it's too good to hold for for nine o'clock. It'll, it will have to go on the 6th. That's kind of the way it works. And then you will present it on the 6th as well? And then you present it on the 6th as well. But at the moment, I'm specifically assigned to the 9th, so we try to do something different for that. Okay, so that's five days a week? It's four days a week. Four days a yeah, week. four days a week. They're long days, so four days a week. So, right, right. Um, yeah, so that's kind of one benefit, I suppose. But okay. as I say in this job, you never really turn off, even on your days off. Yeah, yeah sure you obviously want to keep your finger on the pulse. Like, and then, I guess, as you said, the breaking news stuff, that was the one thing I, I, I wrote down there. What would, probably getting too deep into it now, but uh, what, what would constitute something big enough to actually... You know, kick all the other stuff off. Is it? Is it just a judgment call? Is yeah, it? it's a judgment call by the editors, I suppose. Um, I mean, anything can can kind of happen. I mean, after six o'clock, like last week, we had a fire at an apartment block in Blanchardstown, where you know seven hundred people were were outside of their apartments because they were on fire. Yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff um, would be breaking if there was a murder, a shooting, all that kind of stuff. It, 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 sometimes it can tend to happen after mm. six o'clock in the evening. So it's just a case of of trying to to get whatever you can on air for the nine o'clock which sometimes can be very tight hmm. yeah so just before we started recording you mentioned you were driving over here this morning you were thinking about 
what you do and it was always kind of what you wanted to do so that's really cool that it, it you know it was your early view so maybe go back to the point when when did you start thinking this was something you could get into or wanted to get into yeah it's funny when I look back now I mean I always kind of wanted to do it but I'm not sure I admitted to myself that I did um when I was about 14 or 15 there was a DJ for a day competition in my local radio station and I entered it and I got down to the final five or something and now I'm not sure how many people entered the competition but anyway (laughs) that doesn't matter but uh, so that was one thing Um, then I worked in my local radio station in Shannonside Shannonside as a weekend job so I used to answer the phones at the weekend is that called a runner or something it was actually I was just a receptionist so I used to like answer the phones to to people who rang in and take death notices that right. was my job. So um, I suppose from that point of view, I kind of, I was immersed in it mm. um, and I didn't, you know, I, I was lucky in that I could kind of see it all in operation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then just one day it happened that um, a girl was sick and she couldn't report on a football match. Right. Um, and I would have had an interest in, in football anyway. So yeah. I was asked, would I go and report on the match? Was and it I, a soccer football? No, game? it was um, a Gaelic match and it was like, it was a junior a junior match yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember at the time actually there was a press box but I remember one of the journalists who works for the Longford Leader Porg O'Brien saying to me oh you can see nothing from the press box go down and stand on the on the sideline you'll see a lot more Right. but I mean he didn't realise that I was like 16 years of age oh, yeah. and most of the guys that were playing I knew and I was really embarrassed oh, and God. it was awful and right, right. I'm just I hope that that recording is gone <laughs> but anyway that was kind of the start of it um, and then when I was in I did my leave insert or whatever I didn't work that hard at my leave insert mm-hmm. I broke my parents hearts I think because I just didn't apply myself right. wasn't interested I did my leave insert at 16 as well was young, yeah. so I was very young um, before like we were doing the transition years and yeah well I think transition years in the school but it wasn't really that developed so I decided just keep going and I wanted to stay with my friends and all that yeah. crack so I um, I was 16 doing my leave insert so I decided, you know what, I'll do an arts degree because, I mean, I can do whatever I want after that. And it was kind of during that then that I started to do more work um, on the radio and more work for... For, on soccer matches and, and doing reports for the p- newspapers and stuff so when I came to the end of the three years I decided I'd go and do a postgrad mm. in communications but even from that first report and your your sense uh, that seems to grab you and nearly brought you back there and you could feel almost the tangible fear of, of what was going on but did that at the time ignite a fire to say this is something or was it still very much I, I, you know not really yeah, I think I, I kind of I, I remember my sitting down with my dad one night and saying, you know, I think I, I'd like to be a journalist. And he said, oh, you're way too sensitive to be a journalist. I think he had a perception of, you know, hard nosed, you know, people mm. going out reporting on murders and killings and it yeah, being dangerous yeah. for some reason. Right. Um, and maybe it was because all the time with the Veronica gear and stuff that yeah, was going yeah, on that people yeah. had that perception. And he kind of said to me, oh, I don't know if you'd be able for it. Mm. And there is a lot of rejection in it as well. You know, if you don't mm. have the right voice or the right face or all that kind kind of thing you know you really yeah you know you you can get sure like it could get you down yeah so I think he was worried for me for that point of view um right. but it's funny actually only recently I was looking back at my yearbook from school yeah. um and while I may have been 16 and not knowing what I was doing one of my teachers has written in it 
uh, remember us all when you're famous on the TV. Whoa. And I remember saying to her just a while ago, like, how did you know that I would ever end up on TV? Because yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. really have that ambition at all. Yeah. I mean, I was quite happy to be on radio for a long time. Yeah. Um, and she said, I always knew. She said, you were always talking in class. You were always getting in trouble. You always <laughs> want, seemed to be the performer. She said, I all knew right. you'd end up. So it's bizarre, really, yeah. like, that, that she had that. That's cool. It's funny, again patterns through some of these shows that I'm recording tracing stuff back that people didn't really know at the time what they wanted to be but it was quite obvious when they talked through it that these things were aligning to put them to it and even her putting that statement might have just stuck in your subconscious and drove you to do it like yes, things like that absolutely happens. yeah there's, there's you know I mean I went I obviously then went off and did the, the post-grad communications and then that came to an end and I got a job in Donegal and Northwest Radio okay. um for three months it was just a three month contract so I mean it, I kept having to put myself out of my comfort zone yeah. and I thought here I am moving to Donegal I can't drive I don't have a car um, but I'll do it it's only three months and then that led on to a job in LMFM again I'm moving to Drogheda another town I've never stood in before right and you're kind of wondering, God, is it really worth it? And you're looking at all your friends and, you know, they're all living in Dublin or Galway and they're having a great time. And I'm, you know, barely getting by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm working the crappiest hours you can imagine. Like you yeah. get all the really crap shifts at the start. You're working at 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning, mm. 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning. So it really did take a lot of kind of, I suppose, you know, determination to say, look, just stick with this. It'll be worth it in the end. Yeah. Was there fundamental skills you were learning through those smaller radios I had Declan on yesterday Declan Fatty and he's mm. he worked in the Longford Leader during journalism school in DCU and he talked about the fundamentals he learned there again reporting on like under 10 Gaelic matches and getting the guys names right and the scores that they got right were there similar things that you that stood to you later on in those absolutely and like the people joke you know like, oh make your mistakes in local radio but I kind of didn't look at it like that but I mean first of all it's an absolute fantastic way of building up contacts yeah um, and when I worked there you know I mean you'd get to know councillors and you just don't know the day or the hour that you'll have to pick the phone up again mm. to them um, when something national breaks yeah. and it's great to be able to have that connection to say oh yeah you're the girl that used to work in Shannon's side um, so that I think has been the greatest asset for me um, secondly I mean you know learning I suppose how to for radio as well and you know learning how to deliver and learning mm. how to like structure kind of uh, scripts and all that kind of thing like it, it was a brilliant way for me to learn and learn off other people who've been doing it for 20 or 30 years before I did Yeah. Um, because nowadays I think the the age profile in, in local radio stations because the money has been kind of taken out of it is just a lot of young people and there's nobody there to train them because you know the experience has gone out of them because yeah. essentially experience is too expensive nowadays right right um, so I was lucky in that there was a lot of very experienced people around me to show me the ropes okay cool and as was the another point that not referring to Declan all, all the way through but it's just interesting because he's very much the kind of print journalism and you're maybe more TV as well he was saying about the I asked about you know, being a perfectionist in a way of putting your report together and making it perfect. But he said that op- opportunity goes out the window. You have to have it by your deadline and it's a good enough type thing. Similar sort of scenarios, learning how to, to produce that thing really quickly. Yeah, it's, I mean, there, there's a lot of pressure. Um, so, you know, when, when we're in, in, in work or whatever, there, there, there's one o'clock news, which maybe a lot of people don't watch because they're at work and that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. And we often joke, you know, like, well, it won't be art for the one. You yeah, know, yeah, just yeah. get it out on air, do right. whatever you have to do to get it on air. Um, okay. And, you know, you can 
you know, make it look it. better for the six. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there is. I mean, sometimes you have to just get the story out there. Mm. Um, and sometimes, you know, you're sending something to air that breaks at four or half four and you know it's not the best it can be. Um, but you're your own worst critic. People at home are watching it and they're probably not noticing what you're noticing. And that's, yeah. once you get over that, I'd love to be in the business of making documentaries and all the rest, but I'm not. I'm in the make business of making news. Mm. And it happens fast. And people don't expect to see high quality you know, documentary type footage. They yeah. expect to see the news and they expect to hear what the line is and what the story is. And that's kind of our job to get that out. Yeah, interesting. No, it's cool. Good takeaways for me as well because even doing these, it's like you could spend a lot of time editing them, but nobody else would really pick up on some of those things. So that's that's good to know. Um, so when you went, you went to Saint to Maynooth for the the postgrad as well. As well, yes. Yeah. So it was four years in Maynooth. Okay, and in the postgrad, did you start specialising in? So that was more uh, radio. It was radio TV, and TV, TV, so it was half well. the year in radio and half the year in TV. Okay, right. Um, and it's funny, I didn't miss a day of it. I had to pay for it um, yeah. as a postgrad, and I often say when the argument comes up about paying for education, I just wonder sometimes. I didn't miss a day. I had to, I worked so hard the summer before to kind of raise half the money and my parents gave me the other half and I never missed a day I, now I loved it that's the only thing yeah, yeah. Um, and the radio part I absolutely loved the TV part we did camera work production all that kind of thing mm. um, but whenever it came to like the end of year stuff they were always like oh you do the presenting part and I was like well okay. actually I'm not really into it but right. you know I enjoyed working behind the scenes and I loved radio a lot more and I remember you know people would ask me have you any interest in getting into television and I said no absolutely not I, mm. I, I love radio I love the immediacy of it I love the connection that you can have no no interest whatsoever but mm. obviously there was that's, twists that's and turns changed. and there you go yeah so you, you from the, those few local radio stations you got was, would you say your first big break break to get into new you were in news, news talk, talk yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah so that happened uh, just a month after news talk went national so October 2006 right um I got a job at news talk and I stayed there for five years so that was kind of the the big the big step um, again, you know, I was daunting, very daunting. Yeah. Um, mm. But the great thing about News Talk was the age profile. I mean, everyone in News Talk was in their 20s, mm. um, young, vibrant, uh, you know, very eager. Yeah. Um, and again, like I got all the, the crap shifts, you know, the weekend shifts and the mm. evening shifts and all the rest. But eventually, I mean, you know, after six or seven months, I worked my way in and I was reading and then I was out reporting. So it was fantastic. And I got to cover some amazing things when I was there I mean yeah. the Queen's visit Barack Obama's visit you know uh, because you know there's it, it's obviously a very small newsroom mm. you know you get to you get to cover obviously more stuff and you yeah. get to cover the bigger events so and what were the kind of key learnings during those five years that, that brought you further you know further develop further polishing yeah I remember my first day in news talk and I remember my boss saying to me um, oh you wouldn't uh, there's you know um, the, there was a minister down at Leinster House doing some sort of a launch you wouldn't go down to it and I remember looking at him saying where's Leinster House really? I think he scratched his head thinking oh my god what sort of a girl have I taken on here she doesn't even know how to get to Leinster House right. but I mean I had no um, she'd never worked in I'd Dublin I'd never worked in like, Dublin no yeah, no yeah. I'd been to college in Maynooth I mean the only time I'd been to Dublin was to go shopping and that, that mm. was the height of it uh, obviously not too often for Longford in, in, in Crow Park <laughs> no. either like, so, yeah. no that's the other problem yeah. so uh, yeah so it gave me I suppose you know, it took a few months, but it gave me a great grounding and I suppose getting to know 
ministers getting to know politicians, getting to know, you know, where everything was. Um, and eventually then, I mean, I, I used to do a six o'clock in the morning shift and I would, was essentially covering crime all the time and I'd go to whatever murder there'd been or whatever shooting there'd been. And you could be there, you know, within like hours of it happening. Um, the night actually Eamon Dunn was killed, um, I had got a call um, and I was there within like, 20 minutes of it happening. Right. And, you know, things like that can be... I remember a guard saying to me, you know, where are you parked? And just, you know, watch your reg plates not taken and, mm. you know, maybe you go away. It's all very kind of, you know, delicate here at the moment. Right. Sometimes, you you know, you run into things like that and you realise, oh, yeah, actually, this is actually after happening. Sometimes you can, you can be a little bit detached. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, from that point of view, I got to cover great stuff. It gave me huge experience hmm. um, before I suppose I took the next step. And, and during those few years, was there a specific area you were kind of starting to, to get a more of a passion for? Yeah, in crime, I think, yeah. Okay. Like, I loved it. Um, I used to cover all the Garda conferences and um, I, I, I just loved covering the kind of the, the cut and thrust of it all. And hmm. I had very good relationships with, with a lot of the, the you know, the guards who... Um, once you build up a relationship or whatever, you know, you get the odd tip off and that kind of thing. Right. Um, although that's kind of controversial. <laughs> but um, yeah, so no, I love that. But obviously, you know, when, when you go into RTE, you're kind of, you know, you become one of a team and there's people who specialise in that. But I mean, if you've got the contacts and got the connections and you still have the stories, yeah, that's that's not a problem either. Cool. So how, how did that a stepping stone into RT happened. What happened uh, to bring that about? So RT advertised in 2008, actually. Um, and you had to go through a process. It was a weekend. Well, it was an interview, first of all, a four panel interview. And then you have to go through a weekend assessment, one day radio, one day, day TV. And then you were put in what's called a panel. And as vacancies arise, hmm. you got a job. Okay. So it was around 2008 and the recession was kind of happening. And I never got a call. So I presumed that was it. I'd never yeah, yeah. hear again. And I went on holidays in August 2011. Okay, well. So three years, three later, years later. And I didn't actually bring my work phone with me, which is the number I'd given to them. And I came right. back and I had two voicemails from the HR department saying, can you give us a call? So I did. And they were offering me well, a contract to, to start. Straight up like that. So even though you did those interviews three years earlier... You were being offered. Yeah, and I was convinced at that point that that would have been all kind of outdated or we would have had to go through a process again, exactly. But no, um, they offered me a nine-month contract initially. um, And I remember, you know, ringing friends up saying, what will I do, you know? So were were you a permanent employee with News No, a a permanent employee with News yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was leaving a permanent job again. And I was saying to people, should I take a nine-month contract and what if and what if? And I actually went to my boss in News Talk and he said, well, look, if it doesn't work out... You can come okay, back here. That was a nice so that was a really nice, absolutely, yeah. Um, and I have, yeah, have to admit, it was hard leaving News Talk. Like I really did, really love the place. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, RT is kind of all I've ever really wanted to do. And mm. all the, you know, the new, working in the newsroom there is for anyone who's who works in journalism in Ireland. I think, and you know, it's, it's one a of badge of honours. Yeah, well, it's an it? ambition. I think for a lot of people. So um, I decided I'd take the chance, and you know, if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. I was. In my late twenties, so I mean, yeah. what's the worst thing that could happen, you know? Exactly, yeah, so I did. Yeah. So that was all. That was I started in September two thousand and eleven, and I started on the foreign desk, 
which essentially means that you're not going foreign, (laughs) but you cover all the foreign stories. so, despite you, the fact there was a world, world tour coming up, away, I did, yeah. Yeah. despite the fact that a lot of people at home thought I was in Libya and right. <laughs> Syria and stuff, I actually was in Donnybrook, so okay. I was uh, I was very safe. And um, and after that, then my contract ended, and they renewed it for another six months. And after that, then they offered me a staff contract and moved mm-hmm. me on to what we call the home desk. So there would be about 10 home desk reporters mm. um, and we all operate on a roster and we cover home stories. Right. And we don't specialise in anything. We're the general reporters. Okay. And that's a variety you probably... Is it something you, you like that variety? Yeah, I do. I like it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like there's... Obviously, there's areas that I'm more interested in than others. But, you know, with being one of those home desk reporters, you kind of have to become an expert on everything for a day for a day right. um, you can be throwing anything but it's good I mean there's great variety and you get you do get opportunities huge opportunities as well so mm. and what have you noticed maybe about working in our team maybe that longer established you know state not that it's state is it still state I don't know is it it's a public service public, broadcaster public yeah service. yeah. But that it's been around so long it has a lot of maturity compared to news talk and other smaller parts roles what were the what are the big standout things that you noticed different yeah the, one of the first things I noticed when I went in I mean I suppose it's the amount of people in the newsroom you know um, mm. and the amount of experience I mean there's never there would never be a time where I wouldn't have someone to turn around to and say really not sure about this story really not sure whether I should say this there'll always be someone um, and if not one person there'll be two or three mm. um, our chief news editor Ray Burke is we, we we call him sometimes the security blanket. And when he's not in, we're all kind of like, oh, nervous. He's okay. just, he's one of those people. He, he's, you know, he's worked in the Irish press. He's, he's huge experience. And no matter what kind of scenario is presented, mm. he knows what way to go with it or what kind of solution. Um, That's true experience, right? So it's all. Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. It's, you know, you, you, from, you know, from, from people like, you know, for reporters as well, like us, you know, there, there is so still so much to learn and things are changing so quickly as well, mm. online as well. Um, you have to be so careful and there can be a tendency and I suppose if people trying to get the story out first, mm. but RT tends to, well, you know, in a lot of cases we do get the story first, we tend to err on the side of caution and just say, well, look, you know, hold back for a second. Let's talk to the legal and see whether or not we can okay. we can say this and say that. Right. Um, and you do really feel that there's a lot of people that have your back and a lot of people who, you know, will help you try and get whatever you're trying to get. Okay. You just mentioned influencers, I suppose, throughout your career. Is there, have you leaned on mentors or, or or people that helped guide you is there any specifics that you people other that jump into mind yeah there's a couple of people i mean there's always there's people like as i mentioned ray burke he's our chief news editor i mean he's just the experience he has and you can kind of go to him day or night he's always at the end of the phone mm. um or the end of the email i actually wonder does the man sleep at all but yeah. um he's just one of those people that you can always get advice from um, and you know as well that it's solid, you know, you can trust him. Um, and then I suppose through local radio, I mean, I still have a very good relationship with Michael Carroll and he would have been my new, news editor in, in LMFM. Okay. Um, again, you know, he would have been very good to me when I started off because I was quite raw and, you know, I didn't know the lay of the land and I didn't know the area. I mean, Loudmead was, I didn't know anything about it. He um, he would have shown me a lot and, and kind of, you know, 
with pronunciations and that kind of thing. The stuff that you're kind of embarrassed to ask, you know, mm. especially when you're reading debt notices, in which that's part of local radio, you know, and if right. you get a place name wrong, you may forget about it. Like, well, you, you know, yeah. it's it's very hard to, for the people. I can understand sure, the people that are listening at home and, you yeah. you know, you pronounce someone's name wrong or you pronounce where they're from wrong yeah. like you know it's the worst thing in the world to happen okay. um, so him and then I think um, my father is just I mean mm. my father still rings me every night after my report he'll text me after mm-hmm. a report um, he's very honest as well right. <laughs> if he doesn't like a coat Straight I'm wearing <laughs> or something the way I had my hair he'll tell me um, I try to tell him it's not about that but yeah, uh, yeah. It's very hard, but no, he's very, very much so. And I think, I suppose, he's probably very proud as well. That's course, yeah. a huge element of it. But again, you know, he'd, he would be looking out for me all the time. You mentioned on- online is kind of a part of your role now. How does that differ from from the, the radio and the actual the TV part? And how has it evolved over the last number of years? Yeah, well, I remember, like, for one of the, the, the general election, not the last one, but the one before that, I mean, there was talk of Twitter and you know, try and put some pictures up. And that's kind of where it started, try and put a picture up. And then mm-hmm. for the last general election, you know, things had moved so quickly Instagram and all of that, that we were like putting up videos on Twitter yeah. and, you know, the website, our, the RT website wanted, you know, short 30 second synopsis after every count oh. so that you could update people. And, you know, it's incredible when you get to a story now, the first thing, you know, you'll do is, is take a picture, tweet it. Uh, tweet it and send back then some information for, for the website to put up. So people want information and they want to see stuff. They're, they expect a lot more, I think, now than... Yeah. Um, and everyone, I suppose, can do it. That's the thing. I yeah, mean, everyone yeah, everyone is a journalist. But, you know, there's there's so much happening. There's so many new apps coming out. I was only talking to one of my colleagues yesterday. There's, you know, they're looking at a new app where... You input your pictures in, uh, you voice up a short piece of script and then the app can actually write the script for you up on the screen. So oh. if you're sitting on a train on the way home, and you can't listen, but you can just watch the video. Right. Um, so that's kind of, you know, I mean, it's it's incredible the kind of mm. stuff that's out there. Um, we would have all done courses as well, Mojo training, where we film on our iPhones. Right. Um, so obviously, I mean, if I'm sent to a story... We obviously have a team of cameramen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes, you know, they're all tied up. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you just have to, you know, do what you can yourself mm-hmm. until they get there. So and that's an app you kind of use on your phone, is it? So, yeah, it's you? all on your phone. Yeah. And as well as that, then we use our phones for all the audios that we would record for radio. Right. That's all done through an app on the phone and, and sent back to RTE. So. Okay. so it's a massive part of the role now. Massive right? part of the role. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the website is a huge part it's a huge driver of, of, of the newsroom now. Yeah. Um, we've obviously got so ma- many competitors out there. You've got the independent.ie, you've got the journal, you know, mm. huge competition. Yeah, um, yeah. And Orti has, I suppose Orti has the content. It's a question now of getting that content online as soon as possible. Mm. Um, because, you know, there is, I, I, I spoke to a, a consultant recently who said to me, oh, I don't watch the news anymore. I just, just look at the apps. And I was like, yeah. Oh, that's my job. <laughs> I'd really appreciate if you would watch the news because I want yeah. to be here in twenty years' time. I know, but the fact that it's going so on, like, like I'd, I'd watch 
a lot of stuff online as well. You yeah. Know, be it Instagram or Twitter and Facebook and watch the news on that because it's readily accessible on any device. Yeah. You don't have to be sitting in front of your TV. You can watch it anywhere. That's so it's, it. it's still creating the content. It's just getting it faster to, to people. Exactly. So and then you're, you're safe enough for a while. Uh, yeah, 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 I can hope. I'm hoping I am. Um, but yeah, no, there, there is. I mean, there's a whole other area of creating content only then for, you know, there's some things that lend themselves better to online. Yeah. Um, and there's some things that lend themselves better to TV news. I mean, yeah. you know, on a big day, with a big story um, you know most people who have an interest in it will will turn on their TVs yeah. I think at 6 or at 9 o'clock mm-hmm. if there's a big story on general election days on you know days that Barack Obama comes to Ireland they're the big days for yeah. RT and I think that, that'll always be the case yeah. I think you know they're part of they're part of Irish society and it's kind of what we do you know we yeah, yeah. we trust well I think and I hope people trust RT enough you know to, to keep watching sure Talk to me about the pressures of the role as you start smiling there and yeah. laugh. There's no pressure? And we, we'll get on to work like balance a little bit. But, but um, you know, where what is pressure for you on a day-to-day basis and how do you deal with it? I yeah, well, I think definitely I've learned to deal with it a lot better. I mean, I always maintain there's no point in getting stressed because the report has to make air and the, the more stressed you get, the less chance it is going to ha- it's going to happen. So I've definitely changed in that I remember when I was in News Talk, um, our news editor would would oversee the bulletin that you were, you were reading. Yeah. And I remember saying to him one evening at five to five, John, the, the bulletin's not there, you know. And he's like, I'm still writing it. Go inside the studio. It'll be there on front of you. We used to read off a screen. Yeah. It'll be on front of you by the time five o'clock comes. I remember thinking, oh my, imagine if it's not there. What will I do, you know? Yeah. Now that wouldn't cost me a second thought. So I suppose as as you move on, you get more experience. You've got bigger things to deal with. Yeah. Um, like on a given day, I mean, I always use the example of I two years ago I went over to cover the um, murder of uh, Karen Buckley, the student in Glasgow, mm. the Irish student from yeah, from yeah. Cork, and um, I flew out on a Monday afternoon, and by six o'clock that evening I was on air. Mm. Um, doing a piece for the six o'clock news and it kind of went from there went to the nine o'clock news and then the people the things that people don't know at home you know the late debate was on that night in radio I had to do a piece for that then I had to do a piece for radio the next morning then I had to get up and do morning iron the next morning then I had to do Ryan Tuberty right and I remember at one point 10 o'clock one morning saying I haven't been able to leave my hotel room I need to get out and actually do my job here yeah, yeah, yeah. um so you have to start kind of prioritizing it or saying to, to, to the desk back home you know, I need to do my job. I can't take phone calls, you know. So essentially you were reporting what you had captured the day before, but just in multiple different forums. Absolutely. And, and everyone wanted a piece like, of it. Exactly. Yeah, and I yeah. needed to get out and, and see what was happening. So you kind of have to, I suppose, be your own be your own boss or be your own manager and say, well, look, I, you know, I can only do this. Mm. I need to get out. Um, I'll do the one o'clock news, but, you know, don't ring me to ask me to do the one o'clock news. I'll do that. You know, I'll yeah, talk yeah. to you in an hour. Just let me get out and, and do my own thing. And you're given that autonomy to make those calls, I presume, are you? Yeah, you are. I mean, you, yeah, you know, yeah, you can explain, like, this is what's happening and I need to, to go and, and cover this. So that was very pressurising that it was nonstop. And, you know, there's no time to, to eat. There's no time to to almost breathe. You just, you're, you're kind of caught in a bubble and you have to keep going with it. Mm. Um, so... That was, you know, it was it was very stressful and highly pressurised. But I suppose yeah. at the end of the day, you have to think about like, you know, this is a story, and mm. I just have to deliver sure. as best I can. And I, I suppose it comes back to you know talking about perfectionism and what you were talking about with Declan as well. Yeah. 
I mean, you try to be, you, you just want to give, especially when you're away and, you know, it's such a big story, you want to try and get the best, you know, yeah. that you can and deliver the best to people. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, it, it can be highly pressurised. Yeah. I think, though, the message that comes out in similar scenarios in different parts is that do everything you possibly can do, knowing that you give it everything you can. And then if it's still not well received in some ways, you, you can't. You know, you can't feel bad about that. Right? Exactly, yeah. And I mean, um, there's different, you know, you're going live then as well, like you're to do, you know, a TV live. And I remember the evening I was doing, the first evening I was doing it, you know, over in Scotland, like, you know, a helicopter, police helicopter flew over my head. Uh, these are things you can control and you're trying to shout and scream over it. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, this is a complete disaster now and they wouldn't have been able to hear me. And my boss rang me afterwards. I was like, oh, that, you know, it like, worked really well and yeah. it was a really good position you were in and the helicopter, you know, was, was great. And I was like... As in, like, you planned the helicopter? I know. I was like, no, no, that was not part of the plan. I could barely yeah. hear myself think. Um, and then the f- later on in the week, I remember it was five to six on a Friday evening. There had been a vigil for Karen Buckley in, in the centre of Glasgow my report wouldn't send. You're after spending the whole day working on it. Just wouldn't send. And I remember I was told I was doing a live. So what was going to happen is they were going to play my report and then come live to me on the back of it. Right. And it was an absolutely gorgeous day. There was a BBC Scotland reporter standing there with a sun visor um, trying to, because the light was horrendous because it was so bright. He was right. trying to sh- put me in the shade right, and right. he just saw that we were, there was only me and the cameraman, you see, over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I'll give you a dig and I'll hold the sun visor. And okay. I said, but my report hasn't even landed. And I was all stressed. And oh, the cameraman said, look, get into your position and I'm trying to send your report. And the BBC guys were trying to help us get the report. Oh, was this like satellite stuff they were sending? Yeah, over? and the yeah, satellite yeah. wasn't, right, was right, gone right, down. Right, right, and okay. this is three minutes to six and I had my earpiece in and I heard Brian Dobson being told by one of the directors just talk as slowly as you possibly can it's coming in but it's yeah, going yeah. to take another two minutes right, to land right, right, right. and I like I was trying not to feel stressed on camera because yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. nobody at home knows any of this of course. and you're trying to obviously act as cool as you can but mm. it, it was the closest I've ever come to a report not making air right. and probably the biggest week of my career that I've had sure, sure. and I would I'll probably never forgive myself because I would think, you know, that was a brilliant week's work, but it was ruined because your report didn't make air. It made air and they came to me and nobody at home knew a thing. Okay. So So it's it's funny. It's just funny you explaining it like it sounds really nerve wracking. (laughs) I guess you you would learn quite quickly, though, when that week, I suppose you probably learned as much as you would have done in the previous six months, right? So absolutely. You know, I, absolutely. I learned more in that week than I probably did in the previous two or three years. <laughs> yeah. um, you, you, you know, so much is thrown at you and you learn how to deal with so many situations. Um, and probably, you know, the pressure and the, the stress of all that week. I mean, I came home on the on the Saturday. So, yeah, there was a whole week of it. Um, I was absolutely shattered. Yeah. But you kind of put it all into perspective then. I mean, yeah. I was only the reporter covering the story. Sure, I know. Yeah, I mean, it was a story. Like, so. Yeah. But even for you, coming back to work the next day, on the Monday, do you feel that it, it kind of put you in a next level of confidence or something Yeah, it like did, that? actually. And, 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 you know, I got so many emails then from people as well, you know, to say, you know, you played a blinder, you were fantastic, you know, you were great. And it's really nice to hear that. And I think... It's while it's lovely to hear it from people at home, and you know I get it all the time at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's so much nicer to hear from your own colleagues. Yeah. Because you know you don't go around backslapping each sure. other, saying you're fantastic for doing your job. We don't expect that. But it is nice when you know you you do go away for a week and you do work around the clock 
yeah. for people to send you an email to say, yeah, well yeah. done, like that was great stuff. You feel like you're much more part of the team, I suppose. Yeah, and it's it. also nice as well, like to get it to get that opportunity. Like when you know, I say we look the home desk reporters, it's a great job, but you know, you're from one story to another story to another story. But to work on a story and follow it through, mm. um, you know, and to stay with it and to build up those contacts, I mean that's that's what we all want to do. Yeah. Do you find live recording much different than when you're doing it like on demand and, and like is there mad stuff going through your mind during it? Or yeah, it's funny. It's like it's. I say this. It's like a performance. And I did speech and drama when I was when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and I really think that that's what Stood stands to me. To yeah. Um, I one of my first my first live I ever did for RTE I was holding a notebook I was holding the microphone and my hair flew into my mouth and I was so nervous I just left it there started eating it yeah and I remember coming back to the office and um, one of my editors at the time said you know you should always keep a hand free um, just in case something like that happens and it's actually a good rule to have you know just to keep a hand free just in case you don't know what might happen somebody else comes on screen you can back them away as <laughs> exactly well, yes um, but uh, in terms of getting nervous I try and have a, a little thing in my own head you know make three points and stop talking okay. I sometimes think that people run into a problem of they just keep talking and then right. they talk themselves into knots and they don't know what they're okay, talking about okay, yeah. so that's kind of my rule I make three points and I stop talking they can always ask me an e- another question right. but I actually I have to say I enjoy the live part of it more than anything the buzz yeah I really do I love that like, buzz I, that I just and you know I, I guess you know there's no room for error maybe absolutely and you know as soon as they come to you you're on and that's it and some days they'll go better than others and I, you, you can't say why and there's absolutely no reason um, but that's probably my most favourite part of the job ok cool is there any other so that week sounded like a really breakthrough big week for you since then has there been other ones that stand out that uh, and again not just for, for your own development I suppose yeah that, that you might have had a Certain things might you might have had blind spots or areas you wanted to improve on. Have you taken some of those off since in the last couple of years? Yeah, I think so. Like probably some of the areas I'd like to improve on is you know like sometimes you'd like to be oh well, I'd like to be a be- better at scripting things. You know, there's some people, some of my colleagues who you know see pictures and they can just put a really good script to them and very clever. Mm. Uh, and sometimes under pressure, I don't always see the. I'm, I'm not always that clever with scripts. You know. Right, right, right. And that's only the people at home probably wouldn't notice that, but sure. that's kind of something I'm just trying to improve on myself. Yeah. How do you develop that? Um, just having a better eye for pictures and knowing when you're out with a cameraman, oh, you know what, I want that because if I get that shot, I can say that at the end. Okay. Um, you know, and it can be something very, you know, simple. I'm just looking out here and I see leaves on the trees, but, you know, yeah. things like, you know, maybe you could say, you could script around, like maybe, you know, you could say that man could take a leaf out of this oh, book and that yeah, kind of, you know, yeah. I know it sounds cringe, but no, for television, no. you know, it's all about, and it's very different to radio, like yeah. for television, you're scripting to your pictures and that's the way it should sure, be. Sure. You don't need to say, um, you know, the minister was at a launch today. We can see the ministers at a launch, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, sometimes we, some reporters fall into the trap of like saying what we see. You don't need to say yeah, it. Like yeah. the, the, you're not writing for radio. Sure. For radio, you have to explain a lot because people can't see, you know. But mm. uh, So that's one of the areas. I mean, there's a couple of things. I covered the uh, almost guard the strike in October, November which involve long days and nights sitting outside GRA's headquarters in Fibsborough. This is the less glamorous part of the job. Yeah. Nobody realises you're sitting in a coal car in a coal car park. Mm. 
texting people to see if they were ready to come out and what, what they're going to do. Right. Um, so that was interesting, you know, building up contacts with all these, you know, different people to try and figure out whether or not they were going to strike. And it almost happened. Right. Um, but I remember getting a call then, must have been 20 to 10 or maybe before 10 o'clock to say, uh, no, actually, I lie. It was about 20 past 10 uh, to say, just got, I just got literally got a phone call saying, strike is off. And I said, what? And the person on the other end of the phone said, I can't say any more, but the strike is off and hung up. Um, so the first thing, I mean, the I'd been speaking to the online editor and he said, you know, as soon as you get word, we want to know so we can send out a push notification. So I rang back and I said, I'll be filing copy shortly via the email, but the strike is off. You can send out the push notification. And I went to tweet it. And then for about 10 seconds, I thought, did I hear him right? Did he definitely say oh, the strike God. is off? Right. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, if I'm wrong here, yeah. you know, everyone in the country's received this push notification. Mm. And I panicked. I honestly, I really did for about 10 seconds. I said, did he say it's off? Did he say it's off? And I'm sitting in my car and I looked up and all of a sudden I could see then every journalist that was outside waiting for them to come out looking at their phones because they'd received the push notification okay. from RTE. Right. Um, and then about 20 seconds later, you know, someone else got a phone call to say okay. the strike is well, off. What is it that, why do you think that's I don't know. Right? I don't know. But it was just sheer and utter panic. I don't yeah. know. I mean, he said it as clear as day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for some reason, I panicked and thought, okay. my God, if I'm wrong here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. I mean, I, I don't know why I panicked, but I did. But mm. it was it's interesting. Yeah, I, I think I you know, can relate to certain things like that, even though it's black and white. I think we all get that sort of yeah. kind of double guessing yourself. I think so, space. yeah. When it was such a big story oh, as God, well, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. But that's probably the reason because it was so big that yeah. you kind of created that negative self-talk in your head that yeah. uh, was trying to test you, I yeah. guess. Like, so. It wasn't those Pass 10 test, seconds. Anyway. But anyway, it was fine. All worked out in the end. Is there any uh, event or report that you had to go on where you had to make a big call that worked in your favour or had to make a decision whether to run with it, whether or not that, you you know, kind of could have went one way or the other. Yeah, um, when Larry Murphy was being released from prison, there was a big hoo-ha and, you know, people were talking about he's been released next week and where is he going to go and all this stuff. And I remember the morning he was released, we were standing outside Arbor Hill, like about 30 journalists. And I mean, some of the tabloids had motorbikes. They were all ready to follow him, going wherever. And the two or three days previous... My uh, boss in News Talk had said to me, I want you to go to, to Bolton Glass and interview local people about how they feel about Larry Murphy being released. Right. And I was really sensitive. I mean, nobody wanted to talk about it. Nobody wanted the media around. You can understand. I mean, you know, these yeah. people didn't know him really either. And all of a sudden their town has been, you mm. know, blackened essentially in the media. And they mm. had, you know, that was two or three days. But say prior to me going there, there would have been like loads of reports yeah. done and they were just sick of looking at the media. So anyway, I went down and I tried to talk to locals and everyone was blanking me. No, I'm not interested. I got a local councillor um, to talk to me, of course. Um, and I stopped this woman. I don't know why she was going into Centra and I stopped her and said, hi, I'm just I'm from News Talk. I'm wondering if you'll have a few words at me about Larry Murphy. And she said, no, sorry, I'm not interested. And I said, OK, no problem. Thanks very much. And I walked off on up the road to meet the councillor. And I was walking back to my car and the woman pulled down her window. And I said, oh, no, she's going to give, give out to me here now and give me grief and all the rest. And she said to me, um, 
have you got a second? And I said, yeah. And I walked over to the car and she turned off the engine and she got out of the car and she said, you don't know who I am, do you? And I said, no, I said, I don't. She said, um, I'm Larry Murphy's sister-in-law. Right. And she was the woman who I'd asked yeah, yeah, yeah. on the way into Centra, but I'd never... How would you know? I would yeah, never yeah, know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she said, um, would you like to do an interview? And I said, of course I would, but I mean, you know do you want to do one she said yeah well she said you were actually so polite up at the centra and she said uh, you didn't you know push me into anything I just kind of thought I'd come back and, and give a few words so she ended up bringing me up to the house to her husband who's Larry Murphy's brother and they sat down and did an interview with me wow. um, so look it was one of those probably you know chance encounters that just kind of happened to come right mm. um, and I think what they really wanted to get across that day was you know that they had no connection to him and they didn't want him back. Right. Um, and that was kind of their motivation for doing it. Okay. But at the same time, it was just, I mean, I didn't know her from Adam. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know who yeah. she was. I just happened to, to stop her. Yeah, um, yeah. And I probably would have been very embarrassed if I'd known, you know. But Yeah. But I guess it leads it on to the question of, you know, you were polite to that person. Sounds like it would be kind of a common trait and that worked in your favour. Is there other interconnection or relationship skills that you will bring to the role that uh, you, you see as essential for your style I suppose yeah like I always would be very very polite I'm not, I'm not pushy at all um, right. which sometimes goes against me you know Do you see I mean, it in comparison to others that potentially are yeah you know some people it can be you know very pushy and that kind of thing I nearly try try to be more persuasive than anything yeah. but you know I I almost think that if you don't, if, you know, someone doesn't agree to do an interview with you and you ask them maybe another time, mm. that's kind of it. I leave it at that. There's two times, third time you wouldn't go there. I wouldn't go there, no. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, there's there's reasons or whatever. But I do, I, I, I try to be as polite as I can and as understanding as I can. And that's kind of the way I operate. And, you know, maybe it's back to what my dad said about me. I would be very sensitive. Um, and, you know, I kind of think a lot about other people's situation without, you know, sometimes, you know, asking people to do an interview while it might be great for us yeah. yeah sometimes people just aren't ready you know they're yeah, just yeah. especially when it's in you know tragic circumstances you know yeah. interviewing people you know a day or two after they've lost someone i think sometimes it's just yeah it's wrong you it's know wrong. and like is there a set of ethics or anything you would have around that or yeah there is and i mean i think orty as an organization probably would have you know would have those ethics you know where you would respect people and you know we would wouldn't engage in any of these what we call death knocks where you know right. you, you knock on the door of someone who's lost someone in a murder or a, or something tragic yeah. we just we just don't do, it. don't do it yeah so I take a tip out of that is not ask somebody to come on to this more than twice if they say no after two times I'll leave it there as well um, <laughs> I think we started talking about it in the early stages and unconscious of time as well but yeah. um Work-life balance, you know, you're, you're on a lot, even when you're not on, because you need to keep up with the news. Yeah. Uh, and even, you know, taking a break over the weekend, I guess you'd have to be following stories to be ready for uh, the Monday so that you have to get up to speed. How do you balance the work and, and your, your life? Yeah, I don't have much of a life, clearly. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I'm lucky at the moment I'm not working weekends. Okay. So, um, but you're working all the week, like so. Yeah, it's not I know. As if you're, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, that's called the weekend. That's yeah. called the weekend. Yeah, like I, 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 sometimes I, you know, I wonder. I love reading newspapers, so I don't yeah. kind of see that as work. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't really miss news bulletins at the weekend, and if I do, I'd catch up with them on a Sunday evening. Right. Um, it's, 
I, I'm always reading the apps and I have all the push notifications on so okay. I kind of never really turn off and I think we're kind of all the same like, right. like everyone in the newsroom is the same you know when I go on holidays I do to a certain extent and I think unless you leave the country it's very hard to turn off because yeah. um, you're always trying to figure out what's happening and you just don't know the day or the hour something's going to happen the night um, Tony Golden was shot dead in Omeath um, was a Sunday evening I was sitting down to watch Ireland were playing in a in a European or in a World Cup or European qualifier I can't remember right. and I got a call and I remember ringing the news desk saying um, I don't know whether you've heard but I think a guard has been shot dead you got a tip off I got a tip off okay, yeah okay. and um, I remember the news desk saying no we haven't heard that because a lot of the time you'll ring and someone will have got there you know before you they'll know already mm. and I said oh yeah I, I think there's been a guard shot in Omeath or whatever and I live probably about 50 minutes from it. And this is about 10 past seven. So I thought, right. So I let them, I said, look, come back to me if you need me or whatever. So I got a call about 10 minutes later saying, you couldn't jump in your car and get to Omeath as quickly as possible so we can right. do a live for the nine o'clock news. And that was like a Sunday evening. Yeah. So you just don't know. There was another evening. My sister got married last year on a Friday and I was heading back up to Dublin on the Sunday evening and... Again, I got a call to say there'd been a helicopter crash in Abbey Shrewd in Longford. Right. And I rang the news desk and said, oh, look, I'm just letting you know, wherever. I got a call back 10 minutes. You couldn't do something alive for the nine o'clock, could you? No. So that's the kind of stuff yeah, that happens. Yeah. And, you know, if you get the call, you get the call. It's not too frequent, though. It's, it's not too frequent, absolutely. Yeah. And, like, you know, you we're kind of, you don't mind doing it, absolutely. And when you get the story, you kind of, you know, you want it to deliver it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it a competitive environment in there? And not, and not to put you on the spot, but like competition is very healthy in lots of places. It, it is, yeah. Further on, but right? it's definitely not to a point where it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, you know, I would have thought probably before I went went there that it was you know cutthroat and stabbing you in the back and that kind of thing. But absolutely not. Right. Absolutely not at all. Um, actually, everyone is quite uh, you know considerate giving I suppose the, the atmospheres I know that they're in some newsrooms not necessarily yeah. in, in this country but you know it can be it can be a, quite a hard nosed industry and you know you don't know who your friends are but I have to say my experience has been yeah. quite the opposite we're all kind of very supportive yeah. and there, you know there can be times where you know I could be on one end of the city trying to get back to do something for the six and I mightn't have time to pick up another interview and I could ring some of my colleagues and say are you busy could you do that interview yeah, yeah, for yeah. me and yeah, vice versa. Great. So yeah. yeah, no, I can sense that. From yeah, all right. Is there people you admire in the industry? And in, in, you know, is there have you, have you role models that you would say that person is brilliant at what they do? Is there anyone you would you know look up to? In that um, Paul Reynolds, our crime correspondent, is one of my role models. He's, okay. I mean, he's another guy that's always working, always on, always on. I mean, he could mm. ring any time of the day or night with a story. Yeah. Um, and he's just when he goes on air, he's just he's brilliant at delivering it. He it like yeah, that. he really does. Um, Tom Brady, who's um, partially retired now, security editor with the uh, Irish Independent. Again, he's just one of those old school brilliant journalists. Um, really good at getting a story. Um, you know, really good contacts, um, and just has he's just a gentleman. Like right. he's just you know. He, he's not that kind of you know tabloidy type style. He's just a, just a, 
a proper journalist, a really good journalist. Um, and then in RTE, I, I mean, Rachel English, she's one of the presenters on Morning Ireland. I just, I love her sense of presenting. Um, she's also written a couple of books as well. Um, but she's just, her. I just love her style of presenting. She's just really professional, but at the same time, a bit of a personality to her. And then Claire Byrne is another one. I worked with Claire when I was in Newstalk. Mm. She left a couple of months ahead of me and I just think she's... She really is, I suppose, an inspiration for everyone. Again, she's done the local radio circuit. Yeah. Um, she worked in News Talk, and she's just one of those presenters now who I think has probably broken the mould in RT as well. You know, she's very different to, to a lot of people we've been used to down through the years. Yeah. Um, and she's, like, some of the stuff that she did during the election, some of them chairing of, of debates, mm-hmm. I mean, she was just fantastic. Very good, yeah. yeah. What's what's your kind of approach to setting goals and ambitions for yourself? First of all, do you have? I'm sure you probably do. Are your eyes lit up <laughs> there? And and how do you how do you go about achieving them? This is you know this is a good learning for everybody when we talk about goal setting and how do you approach it. So could you talk me through a little bit of that? Yeah. So I um I want to be uh. I'm going to be. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be the uh, North East correspondent, the Midlands correspondent, okay. or um, or Paul Reynolds's job. I always joke when I ask him when he's retiring, yeah. but uh, he's got a couple more years left, I think. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm obviously from from the Midlands, so uh, the job's not going to be coming up anytime soon. But obviously, I'd love to to work in that region. Sure. Um, the North East region is one that is vacant at the moment, actually. Okay. Um, and it's an area that I'm living in at the moment. Um, and because I worked in LMF, I know quite well. Right. Um, so I'd love to be able to mean, as a regional correspondent, you're responsible for a huge area. Sure. Um, and there's, I mean, there's lots of news happening yeah. um, regionally. And I think sometimes we can get caught in the trap. A lot of the, the Irish media of, of thinking that everything revolves around Dublin. Yeah. Um, when it's absolutely not the case. And there's, mm. there's better stories to, to be told outside. Um, and also I think there's stories that you know, might happen nationally, but can be told from a regional perspective. Yeah. Um, and that's, I suppose, why I'd like that. And then obviously my, my passion is for, for crime. And uh, I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to, to, to have that job too. Cool. So there are things out, out down the road, but is there anything you feel you have to do to achieve those or just continue doing what you're doing and wait for the opportunities? Well, continue work? doing what I'm doing, but I suppose improving on what I'm doing um, and getting more stories and breaking more stories. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's lots to be doing. Um, I have to build up more contacts. Yeah. Um, to even you know come close to to what some of the correspondents have. They all have a huge wealth of of knowledge of that area, and that's. But the breaking of the stories is that down to contacts a lot of the time. A lot of the time, it is down to contacts. Yeah, and when you're living in a region, I suppose as well, or or you're working in a region, you know, stuff will come to you. Um, you know, so a lot of the stuff will, you know, I'll ring that person because mm-hmm. they work there or I'll ring that person because they work in that area. So when you're a general reporter, you don't really have that same gravitas. Sure. Um, you know, you really have to work harder at, at building up those contacts so that people say, well, you know what, I'll give it to this girl. You know, yeah. she doesn't work in the area, but right, right, right. So that's, that's the kind of battle you have. Okay. Um, but at the same time, it's a challenge, you know, that you just have to keep putting yourself out there and telling people, you know, if you ever have a story, you know, give me a shout. And yeah, you'll be on it. Yeah. Cool. We're up to 53 minutes. I know you have to get to work. I certainly don't want you to be late for, for, for breaking news. I kind of like to end with a question around advice that you might have been given throughout your journey so far that stuck with you, that you could maybe pass forward to people that... The thing that stuck out with me is, you know, when you were with News Talk and you 
left to take a chance with with, with RTE. That's mm. that's a big thing. A lot of people are at decisions where they're always too afraid to, to take one decision over another. Um, it's nice to know that you had a role to go back to. But is there advice that you've been given down the way? Yeah, I think the one piece of it, well, there's a couple of pieces of advice, but the one piece of advice that stuck out is probably, you know, don't be afraid to take a chance. Um, and don't be afraid to, to put yourself outside your comfort zone. Mm. I mean, I could still be, you know, working in Shannon Side Radio. And while that was perfectly enjoyable, you know, I had to push myself. I had to go and do that, like, horrible stint in Donegal without a car. Um, and you know, it's really stuck with you. Yeah, it really you? has. It was just you know, it was just it was tough. Um, yeah, yeah. And you're working weekends, and you're thinking, what is this for? You know, why yeah. would I bother? Um, so yeah, so I'd, so I'd say don't be afraid, and just you know, keep at it. Um, like I started in 2000, and I finished college in 2004, and it's 2017 now. Mm. Um, and I never thought that when I did the interview for T that time in 2008, I didn't think I'd get a call. And it did take three years. Yeah. So like, find, I suppose, you know what, find out what you want, put it as your goal. And but don't get obsessed with it. You know, you know, keep plugging away. I mean, when I was working in News Talk, I gave 110 percent every day. I sure. didn't think, oh, maybe today or T will ring me. Yeah, um, you can't. You, you know, can't, you absolutely. Can't so that's, the, I suppose, there's a couple of things there. I suppose take a chance, don't be afraid um, and be determined and, you know, keep working at what you're working at because, you know, you will get there. If you're good enough and determined enough, you will get there. Yeah. So hard work will, will always pay off, right? So Yeah, that's it. You see, I mean, I know people thinking there's, there was a running joke, you know, about, you know, RT employing relatives and that kind of thing. You know, do you know someone in there? How yeah. do you get in? Like, that's not the case. Yeah. I mean, there's really good young journalists who've got there because they've put in the work and mm. and done the time I suppose that's it Shane, thanks so much for sharing your story I really enjoyed listening to it I got some good stuff out of it and I'm always fascinated about the world of you know the media and TV and radio and uh, I think a lot of people will be hopefully that listen to it as well hopefully yeah <laughs> so I'll let you get to work thanks, thanks so much Sinead and thank have you a, very have a great much. day thank you thank you Hey folks, you got to the end of another show. Thank you for persisting. I hope you enjoyed it as much as the others. So I'm just going to put a quick shout out for feedback. You can get in touch with me through the site. You can get in touch through Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's all on the robofthegreen.ie site and you can take it from there. Also, I'd love if you listen to on iTunes leave a comment give us a score out of five on the stars that are so much commonplace these days i would really appreciate that if you did it whether it's good or bad i can certainly take that we'll we'll make some improvements as we go and yeah i'll keep it short i hope you enjoyed and i look forward to having you back for some more one percent better podcasts in the future thank you and good luck